The following podcast contains explicit language. It's Thursday, April 19th, 2018. From Slate, it's the gist. I'm Mike Pesca. Democratic Minority Leader Chuck Schumer has said he will introduce legislation to decriminalize marijuana on a federal level. Uh, fine stance. I happen to be against marijuana for me, but not necessarily for the provided you are over the age of three. But Schumer has been criticized, not for introducing this, but for not introducing this legislation tomorrow. Because tomorrow's date is 420. 420, get it? Pot reference? And this is exactly why we need to decriminalize marijuana. Yes, yes, yes. It's wasteful to prosecute and probably racist. But it's the jokes. It's the dumb jokes. It's mistaking a reference for a joke and a lame joke for a good joke just because marijuana is involved. To this day, a late night host, even the cool ones, cannot make any reference to pot or getting stoned without a woohoo from many sections of the audience. And so we need marijuana normalized so it doesn't have this frisson of danger or transgression. And so that finally pot humor can die. Yes, die. On that day, Cheech will be recognized as a pretty smart guy for Celebrity Jeopardy. And Chong will be noted as a fellow who should not have gone to jail, but also probably shouldn't be in the movies. And Seth Rogen will be motivated to shave and be witty. And Snoop Dogg can concentrate on all his Joker's wild responsibilities. You know, you think it's an easy show. It's not. You can go off the board. You got to do the math on that. And when this happens, when we finally embrace pot and throw away pot humor, pot comedies will be reclassified in the proper genre, non-comedies, unless you are stoned. And Chuck Schumer will be a hero. That is, if the blunt-talking senator can hash it out with his buds in the GOP. Don't laugh. Don't. Oh, you weren't. Okay, great. On the show today, I spiel a little bit about J. Edgar Hoover with absolutely no mention of his preferred mode of dress, which is entirely his choice. But first, John Lovett is on Pod Save America. He's a former presidential speechwriter, and he is the host of Love It or Leave It. I do, and I won't, as you will hear. John Lovett is a former presidential speechwriter. He is a graduate of Syosset High School, but that's where he and Elaine Chow differ. He is one of the hosts of Pod Save America, a member of the Crooked Media Network, and the most delightful show on that network, Love It or Leave It. He's decided not to leave it, but to be here with me now. Hello, John. How are you? Hello, Mike. How are you? <laughs> Thanks for matching my energy. I'm trying. Yeah. I'm going to so, go back down now. Okay, thanks. Yeah, yeah, let's bring it down. So I know you were, uh, I know you're a math guy, and I know that you like to think that you adhere to uh, logical rigor, don't we all? <laughs> sure. But on the last Pod Save America that I listened to, you laid out sort of a logical case about why Comey misstepped just by logic, not by the ire of politics or an analysis of his morality. You laid it out logically, and your co-hosts didn't want to engage, but I want to engage because <laughs> I thought it was compelling. Could you lay that out for me? here yeah so let's i'm this is what basically here's the here's the deal 
I've been fascinated by one question that James Comey has been asked and the one that he has answered in the same way, which is knowing that the letter you released in the week before the election about Hillary Clinton's email investigation may have swung the election, knowing what you know now, would you still do the same thing? Would you still send the letter? And he says yes, because he says to not send it would have meant allowing politics to interfere with his decision making. Now, this to me is incredibly galling. Because it's nonsense. And I don't mean nonsense the way we use it in that it's something I disagree with or something I think is stupid. I mean, it literally makes no sense. It it, it lacks logical consistency by his own standards. Correct. Because here's why. He basically says that he thought Hillary Clinton was going to win. And what he does say is he sent it because he wanted the letter to exist in a world where Hillary Clinton was president to legitimize her victory or at least to prevent the illegitimate criticism because he had known these facts and not told people before they cast their ballots. Now, Mm -hmm. he says the letter was written so that it could exist in a world where Hillary Clinton was president, but he'd still send it even if it meant that we'd end up in a world where Hillary Clinton was not president. So (laughs) he sends it so that it could exist if (laughs) she wins. If sending it means she doesn't win, it means he shouldn't have sent it. But he says he had to send it even if she didn't win. Now, you're maybe think listening to this and thinking you're giving me a headache. Uh, yeah. Stop talking in you've this cre- way. You've created a Mobius strip. <laughs> love it. But no, I agree with you. And I see what you're saying. Yes, he has hoisted himself on his own petard. <laughs> so here's the thing, though. That's the one part of what Comey says that I don't believe he even believes. I mean, I don't know. He's the guy who administers truth detectors. I'm not. But everything else seems logical. And he's also been assailed for taking politics into account. And I have to tell you, I think that that was smart. I think the decision he made only makes sense in a universe where it's extraordinarily likely that Hillary becomes president. And he projects out and he says, oh, my God, then this thing comes out and we go through another four years of Benghazi and it weakens the republic and it delegitimizes her presidency, my bureau. It, it makes sense. I'm not saying I would have done it because of FBI guidelines, but it makes sense. But you're absolutely right to say I would have done it even if Trump were president makes no sense. It makes no sense. I I disagree with you. I think uh, he had a moral obligation to shut the fuck up because uh, we were so close to an election. The logical inconsistency is there because he's not thinking it through in terms of consequences. He's constantly thinking in terms of how things are going to be perceived. If he thought about consequences, he'd end up at a place where he'd realize, wait a second, I've told the country about one investigation, but not the other. I violated uh, FBI guidelines in terms of one candidate, but not the other. How can that be the ethical standard? And I believe, I sincerely believe, I, I think that people are too dismissive of James Comey on the whole. I sincerely believe that he was trying his best to do good. I think he got a little bit in his head and I think he worried too much about how he seemed rather than what his actions were, what it meant to uh, look virtuous rather than be virtuous. But all that being said, he ended up in a situation where he told the country about one investigation, but not the other. And if your ethical standard, if your values lead you to make such an imbalanced decision, then you should reevaluate. You should reevaluate your decision making. You should reevaluate your standards. You should question yourself as to whether or not you actually lived up to the principles you're espousing. Because I think in the end he didn't. I I do agree with you on a lot of um, your analysis of Comey, but I do think he's also been the subject of unfair. Uh, criticism. And among that is saying that he was petty in his descriptions of Trump's hands and Trump's face. Did the pettiness bother (laughs) you? 
Well, no, it didn't. Uh, though you know, it rarely does. <laughs> uh, but uh, it 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 doesn't. You know, my emotional focus on James Comey is on his continued refusal to accept responsibility. This book is an effort to refuse to take responsibility. I understand it. I get it. But God, you know, Mike, I'm realizing this as I'm talking to you. When he says that the voters should remove Trump rather than having him be impeached, he's Mm -hmm. making the exact same mistake he made when he sent that letter about Hillary Clinton which he's worried about perception and not consequence. The the threat we face is not that Donald Trump won't get the proper form of democratic justice. The threat we face is Donald Trump. The threat we faced in 2016 is not is not that partisans after the election would say that Hillary Clinton was illegitimate. Uh, the threat was Donald Trump. And and the threat was that the election would be illegitimate because of the behavior of the FBI, which is exactly what ended up happening. So again, James Comey, because he admits to having ego, he admits to being a bit narcissistic. I think that he got himself wrapped around the axle and he is consistently worried about the perception of partisanship, the perception of bias, the perception of justice than he is about the thing itself. And it is revealing in this book. It is revealing in his conversations. And uh, it's frustrating. I'm frustrated by it. There's a new poll out that says, well, the headline is polls find risks for Democrats toying with impeachment promise. Uh, More registered voters said they'd vote against a candidate for Congress who proposed impeaching Trump compared to 42 percent who said they'd definitely vote for that candidate. That doesn't surprise me. I think it's irresponsible at this point to propose impeaching Trump without any charges. However, a week ago or two weeks ago, there was a slight variation of this where it was a report that said Republicans think that running on the specter of impeachment is a winning issue. That if they run and say, don't vote for the Democrat, that guy's just going to impeach Trump. That is a chit that Republican candidates can play. I don't know. I, I, it, I find it hard to believe that's true. But then again, I guess I'm in a bubble. What do you think? I think that that is a sign of how little Republicans have to say in this midterm. You know, they thought they were going to talk about their tax bill. Then all of a sudden, every candidate who's been trying to run again, run a campaign on the tax bill has found that it doesn't work. And then all of a sudden they're talking about MS-13 and all the rest and Confederate statues. I think they don't know how to run with Trump. They don't know how to run away with Trump. And so now they're looking at impeachment like, oh, maybe we can make some hay out of this. They have a shitty hand and they're trying to play it as best they can. I get that. Okay. I don't believe Democrats should be drawn into a debate about whether or not we should talk about impeachment. I don't think this is very hard. You know, if I were... talking to a candidate uh, and saying how to handle this, it'd be pretty simple. Uh, I believe that Republicans have put Donald Trump and loyalty to Donald Trump over the country. And it has meant that we have not gotten all the facts. It meant we haven't been able to stop corruption and the chaos of the Trump administration. If you send me to Washington, I will do my best to hold Trump accountable. And I believe we should follow the facts wherever they lead. Republicans want to talk about impeachment because they can't talk about their record. I want to talk about what we'll do to hold Trump accountable in terms of the corruption inside of his administration. I want to talk about what we'll do to hold Trump accountable in terms of the failures of his policy and his policies that favor the wealthy. And I want to hold Trump accountable in terms of his record of saying racist and despicable things, whatever, whatever you want to say. But I don't think we need to talk about impeachment. I don't even think we need to dismiss impeachment. I don't think that's the debate we have to have at all. 
We need a Congress that will do its job. It is in the Constitution. They are there to be a check against the president. That is the check we need. We don't need a rubber stamp for Trump. I mean, this is just this to me seems easy. I mean, making this up as I go. But like, I don't know. I felt good about that. I don't think I need to say that we're going to drop articles the day we get in. John Lovett is the host of Love It or Leave It, and he is uh, one of the Pod Save America panelists, a crooked media founder. Thank you, John. I mean, thank you. You know? <laughs> yeah. And now the spiel. Megan McCain getting some guff for going hard at James Comey on her show The View. She picked an odd exemplar of public service. Anyone of that. I think that maybe J. Edgar Hoover is rolling over in his grave at saying the types of things you're saying and revealing the types of things you're revealing. It doesn't seem like something that the director of the FBI... Why are you laughing? Because J. Edgar, really, he's the wrong guy to bring up. But he didn't write a tell-all when he left. Yeah. So Did that's he say that he was here. a trans... Okay. Jagger Hoover was uh, pretty, let's say, problematic as an example. But weirdly, I was thinking of J. Edgar Hoover yesterday in the context of James Comey. Though if Comey's book tour has its way, everything we ever think of within the next month will be in the context of James Comey. Shohei Otani got the start today in Anaheim. I wonder if Comey would lay off the splitter like the Red Sox did. Hemlines are up. Wonder where Comey weighs in on that. Kendrick Lamar wins a Pulitzer for rap. You know, I could see the author of Higher Loyalty really being behind Kendrick Lamar. But here's why I was thinking about Comey and Hoover. Yesterday, I read Lawfare's Ben Wittes' piece on Comey's book. And Wittes discloses, if you didn't know by now, he is a friend to Comey. He can't be objective about the book. He can't tell other people whether they should read the book. But he did have some insights and he wrote them down. And one of these insights got me to thinking. Here, I'll quote. I believed that Trump would fire Comey because it was clear who Trump is and I knew who Comey is. I had a feeling they could not coexist. A tyranny cannot have independent law enforcement and remain an effective tyranny. A would-be tyrant thus must purge government of law enforcement that would be independent. He simply must get the law enforcement apparatus under his control, that is, protecting his friends and himself and a raid against his enemies. I did not know who would be the Trump administration's attorney general or deputy attorney general, but I knew that Trump would not be able to get law enforcement under his control with Comey in office, so I worried that he would remove Comey sooner or later. The answer was sooner. All right. I want to go back to that one sentence. A tyranny cannot have independent law enforcement and remain an effective tyranny. I have had Cass Sunstein on this show probably as many times as I've had Ben Wittes on, I think. Cass Sunstein edited a book asking, can this happen here? Entirely about, is Trump a tyrant? Could he be a tyrant? Are we on the road to tyranny? And what Wittes is laying out here is that Trump can't be a tyrant without removing Comey. But pay attention to what this says and what it doesn't say. His removing Comey was a necessary condition to ruling as a tyrant, a man unbeholden to law. But it is not a sufficient condition. We are seeing our institutions at this moment strain against what he did, meaning that alone does not cement his status as a tyrant. 
And while it is true he can't be a tyrant without removing Comey, it's also true that one could remove Comey or any director of the FBI for a reason other than tyranny. And here is where I began to think about J. Edgar Hoover. So what does it mean to be a liberal democracy as opposed to an illiberal democracy, which we're seeing in Europe, which is the direction Trump would like to take this country, even if he doesn't know the phrase illiberal democracy? A liberal democracy must have the man at the top and an independent justice department. If we went the illiberal direction, what Wittes is pointing out is that the man at the top wouldn't possibly countenance a truly independent justice department. But America can be, and in the past it has been, it has been a liberal democracy, if the Justice Department is actually too independent. We have an example of this. J. Edgar Hoover, director for life, had too much power. He was allowed to operate unfettered. He defined his own rules. He defied the rule of laws. He went... And I'm not saying the presidents at the time were blameless. RFK did butt heads with Hoover, but he also did authorize the FBI to wiretap the phones of Martin Luther King, which was just one example of the extrajudicial runaway nature of the Justice Department back then. But the republic survived. Trump warns us against the excesses of the deep state or what his top informal advisor, Sean Hannity, posits as the crime families controlling the intelligence community. A, it's not true. But B, even if it were true, we have been here before. An overly independent Justice Department, J. Edgar Hoover, runaway CIA, reined in by the church committee. But where we've never been and where we might not be able to come back from is the president imposing his will on the Justice Department. A Justice Department that cannot operate with independence might in fact lead to tyranny. So given the choice between the two evils, a Justice Department, the intelligence community with too much power, or a president with too much power over the Justice Department, the second is potentially much more dangerous. And I would like to thank Meghan McCain and the cast of The View for making me think of all that. And that's it for today's show. The Gist was produced by Pierre Bienname, who wonders where James Comey thinks Bitcoin is headed. Mary Wilson, Gist senior producer, would like James Comey's input on color palettes for the wainscoting she's opting for. Is eggshell too light? Steve Lichtai is executive producer of Slate Podcasts. He's willing to bet that James Comey is a Dick Sargent over Dick York, Darren, but a second Becky truther. But he can't know for sure. The Gist. James Comey, Slytherin or Ravenclaw. Yeah, I know he's a self-stylized Gryffindor. Mm-hmm. I'm sticking with those two, though. Oomperu deperu duperu, and thanks for listening. <laughs>